Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. We're the show that tackles tough topics. And one of the toughest topics we've been talking about over the last year or so is trafficking, human trafficking, sex trafficking. And we've done a couple shows with some different people trying to uh, make some headway in dealing with that particular issue. And today I have with me my guest, Lynn Lieberg. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you. Very good to be with you, Heather. Well, thank you for joining us. And the reason that you're here is because you belong, well, actually, you started an organization that is kind of taking a rather unique approach to helping to solve the trafficking problem. You created Truckers Against Trafficking. And right. can you tell me, uh, Lynn, when you started that? I mean, I know that you're an award-winning public relations professional, and you have a lot of PR experience. So how did you get the idea for Truckers Against Trafficking? When did that happen? And how did it happen? Sure. Um, in 2007, I read a book called Not for Sale by David Batstone that let me know that human trafficking was taking place here in the United States. I had thought it was only happening overseas. And so I called my four daughters and said they needed to read the book and we needed to talk. Um, and so after they read the book, we got together on the phone uh, and added a friend in. And um, we talked about starting an organization to fight issues of injustice with an emphasis on human trafficking. That was in 2007. The following year, we put on a human uh, trafficking awareness conference up in Denver. And one of the speakers there talked about starting a grassroots movement, um, such as um, training people at your local gas station to recognize the signs of human trafficking. But what brought what that brought to mind were pictures from my youth. My parents had owned a small motel in El Paso, Texas, and truckers were one of the mainstays of our business. And I thought about those guys sitting around my table. They were good guys. And I thought, you know what? There are millions of people in the trucking industry, over 7 million, in fact. And if we could train them 
to recognize the signs of human trafficking, if they knew what was happening and how to, how to see it, they would be a, a critical volunteer force across the United States. There are only, you know, six of us sitting here on this, uh, working on, on human trafficking right here in our little organization, but they are everywhere and they could see it happening and be able to report it. So the following year, I started Truckers Against Trafficking as an initiative of Chapter 61 Ministries, but it grew so fast that within two years, um, I was still working full-time, and in order to keep it growing, I turned it over to one of my daughters, Candace Paris, to run. She took it through the 501c3 process. It became its own organization, and um, and so we dissolved Chapter 61, and and became Truckers Against Trafficking full-time. So I actually started it in 2009, and then it became uh, its own 501c3 two years later. Wow, and it's amazing how quickly that took off. Um, but you're, I, I don't, what made you think of truckers? I mean, you said that the, the, the truckers at the hotel and everything, but what was the connection with trafficking? What made you think that truckers would be able to identify or spot traffickers or do something about yeah, that? Tra- traffickers are moving their victims all across the United States all the time. And they stop at places like gas stations and truck stops and restaurants and motels and hotels um, to um, sometimes sell their victims, sometimes just to get gas or food on their way to um, someplace else to sell their victims. Like there, we know one survivor who was trafficked at the Kentucky Derby. That was the ultimate goal, but she was trafficked all along the way to the Kentucky Derby so that they could make money off of her all the way along the, the route. So truckers, uh, you and I are pretty stationary in our work, but truckers are traveling all across the United States. They're already observant. They um, provide a service industry. And my, uh, my experience with them was that they were really good guys, the majority of them. When you've got 7 million people about the size of Atlanta, um, there might be a small slice of people who aren't nice, but the majority of people in the city of Atlanta are good folk. So... Um, the same would be true in the trucking industry. And so they were a critical force because they were all along the highways where they would see this happening and would be able to report it if they understood what they were, what the signs were and what they were looking at. Well, it's all well and good to say, I bet you these truckers could help, but how do you contact 7 million truckers? Do they have an association? Do they have have a hangout? Do they, you know, how? Yeah, that's a good question. I started uh, with a letter writing campaign to the uh, bigger organizations, the the 50 state trucking associations, the American Trucking Association, the Owner Operator Independent Trucking Association, the Truckload Carriers Association, uh, and um, some of the major uh, travel plaza groups. And um, and then I went on a trucking radio show um, and just little by little began making headway. Well, as they, uh, the people in trucking began hearing uh, about human trafficking, um, they began contacting us to come and speak. And, uh, and then little by little, um, we gained a really good reputation among them as being honest, always following through on our word, uh, doing what we said. 
and we provided all of our materials for free. We still do uh, to them. And, and so uh, we were giving them resources and, and helping them understand that by joining the fight, they could play an, an incredible role in helping to um, thwart traffickers and end and this crime. So how do you train a trucker, or anyone else for that matter, about what is human trafficking and how to spot it and what to do about it? I mean, it's, I, I know I've been on the road sometimes, and I see something and I think, oh, I don't, I don't like the looks of that, you know, like maybe in the car next to me. But then you kind of think, well, what, who am I? What, how do I know what they're doing? You know, I mean, um, how do you train somebody to spot something that is a legitimate thing to, to notice? Well, we, we mainly have two uh, resources that we provide the trucking industry with. We have a 26-minute a uh, training video that um, we want them to show um, in CDL schools, and um, there are a number of states that are now requiring, Washington is one of the states uh, that are requiring uh, drivers before they get their license to, to have TAT training uh, as part of their CDL requirement. And um, so we have that training video that gives them signs, and then we give them a wallet card that um, gives them the definition of human trafficking, talks about some of the things that they need to provide to law enforcement when they make the call to the human trafficking hotline, the National Human Trafficking Hotline. We give them, uh, there are some questions to ask, like if they have a chance to talk to somebody who's um, selling um, commercial sex and, um, and they think they're underage or they think that they, they might uh, be being forced to do this, the, there are questions they can ask, like do you keep your own money? When was the last time you saw your family? Are you physically or sexually abused? Um, do your parents or siblings know where you are? Do you know where you are right now? Because oftentimes um, victims are moved around so much they have no idea what town they're in or uh, what, where's the local school or where's the local um, grocery store, anything like that. So those are clues. And then we give them uh, red flags to look for, like that lack of knowledge of their community or whereabouts. Um, if they're restricted or there's uh, controlled communication, they're not allowed to talk. Maybe they have signs of branding or tattooing on their bodies. Um, maybe they, they they give a hint that they have a quota that they have to make or they have a pimp, something like that. So there are those signs and those questions that they can ask. And then we want them to make sure that they have specific information um, that they can provide to the National Human Trafficking Hotline and also 911 uh, when they call. We We like them to call both places because the National Human Trafficking Hotline keeps a database. They're the only ones in the United States that keep a national database of where human trafficking is happening. And they also have uh, connections with law enforcement in all 50 states. When I think of truckers, all I know is what I see in the movies. And, you know, you always see in the movies where the prostitutes are hanging around the truck stops and, and, and searching for business. Is that what we're kind of talking about here? Um, are, are we talking about women who are soliciting 
Um, yeah, around truck stops, are those the people that truckers can actually ask questions of, or is that just a movie version in my head? Well, truck stops are only one place, and if you were to go and look at the data at the National Human Trafficking Hotline, uh, truck stops are not even the number one place where uh, traffickers take their victims to sell them, but they are a place. They are one of the places where traffickers take their mm -hmm. victims to sell them. In fact, um, in 2015, we gave our uh, Harriet Tubman Award to uh, Kevin Kimmel, who was a, um, a driver who had stopped at a tra travel plaza in Virginia. He had finished uh, his load and he was resting. He saw a uh, blacked out uh, RV drive in. It did not go to the convenience store. It drove back around by the trucks. He thought that was odd. Um, he saw men uh, getting out of the back of the van, going into the store, coming back to the RV, knocking on the door, going in. He thought that was weird. Then he saw a uh, young woman's face pressed against one of those blacked out windows, um, and it was yanked back. And then the RV started um, shaking, and he decided this is really not right, and he made the call. Um, Law enforcement got out there within five minutes, and um, that girl had been uh, stolen or kidnapped by friends of her family uh, two weeks earlier in Iowa. Kevin was in Virginia, so this happened in Virginia. Um, she had been beaten, tortured, sold repeatedly, um, made to call her family every night to, let, to tell them that she was on a, a trip, uh, not to worry, there was nothing the matter with her. But she had been starved and had no uh, water. People were still buying her, and she was just a few days away from death. So um, she was recovered um, and um, was returned to her family after a stay in the hospital. So uh, when um, truckers see it, whether they see it at a gas station or a sporting event or a motel or a hotel, uh, the same with busing. We're now doing, we now have an initiative or a program as part of Truckers Against Trafficking for buses, whether it's commercial buses or school buses um, or traveling buses. Whenever they see this, once they're trained, um, they can make that call because they now, their eyes are open as to what's going on around them. And, and of course, that's the same with any of us, but most of us uh, don't always go to the uh, places where this is, I've never been to the Kentucky Derby and I'm a, I'm a big horse fan, but um, we don't, we're not always at the big sporting events. I, I never got to see a Seahawks game in person, but traffickers are selling their victims at all of these various places, especially where men uh, congregate. And, um, and if you know the signs, you make the call. Yeah. I, you know, as a woman uh, who's never, uh, to tell you the truth, is pretty naive about the whole sex industry, et cetera, um, it's always astounding to me that it's apparently so easy to find customers for selling women. I mean, I, it, it's one thing if a woman is doing that on her own and voluntarily or whatever, but it's another thing if somebody's forcing her to do it. I mean, surely you can tell. I, I would no. that. No, you don't. Not really. Okay, so no, not really. Because, yeah, oftentimes um, 
you've got kids who have been um, recruited and groomed by traffickers. They are runaways or they're from foster homes or they're um, down and out or they're on the fringe at their high school. They're not, um, sometimes it's just a kid that a trafficker is a, in fact, traffickers have said, I can look at a schoolyard and tell you who I can get, but they, um, they groom them and prepare them. And then they put such fear into them, such, um, um, you know, they're beaten, they're raped repeatedly, uh, they're, they're tortured basically themselves. And then there's all kinds of emotional and mental, um, fear that is put in them. And so they're told, you know, they're going to get beaten if they act afraid, if they uh, let on that they're not doing this of their own free will. And so most of the time, you're not going to be able to see that unless you look into their eyes. We work with a lot of survivors who, um, when we take them with us to uh, provide law enforcement trainings, they will tell the cops, uh, give them t- tips about um, what the pimps do to them and the traffickers do to them, and then um, and then how they're taught to look and what they're taught to say. And they don't even they're most of the time they're so afraid. Even uh, if law enforcement is right there, they're not going to give themselves away or give the trafficker away. So, force, fraud, and coercion are the three main ingredients for um, getting someone uh, or making making them be trafficked and um, and pimps and traffickers, which are an interchangeable word, um, are very good at those three. Hmm. It, it, it astounds me that already in this conversation, we've talked about two different ways that truckers have the um, advantage in spotting something like this. And to be quite honest with you, Lynn, I'd, I've never really thought about that before. Um, are there other ways besides being on the road or seeing suspicious vehicles and suspicious activity around vehicles and seeing the um, um, prostitution or solicitation activities at truck stops? Are there other ways that truckers have an advantage in noticing and spotting trafficking? I don't know that they have any more advantage than anyone else other than the fact that they're traveling all the time and they are already trained to be observant. But when they, um, when their suspicions have been aroused and they're, they're all of a sudden realizing that, that someone they see or that it looks like she's selling commercial sex or she is selling commercial sex, or he is selling commercial sex, and and they see that they're a minor, where uh, anyone under the age of t- eighteen who is who is um, being uh, selling commercial sex and someone is benefiting from that, that is trafficking, whether force, fraud, and coercion are used. If so, if they see a minor, or if they uh, can can recognize that someone's in trouble, they're going to act um, faster than they might have otherwise because oftentimes you and I driving around or even they might, might have just thought, oh, that person just wants to do what they're doing. But the fact is now their suspicions are aroused and they are 
a lot more careful and they realize that people have backstories. One of the things that we do uh, on our Facebook page is try and educate um, people so that they they don't look at um, someone that they see selling sex and think, oh, she's just a prostitute or she's just a lot lizard. Um, they a lot of truckers have big signs on their win on their windows uh, uh, that have a a lizard and a big red a line through it that says no lot lizard. We want them to take those down and put our stickers on there, which which gives the National Human Trafficking Hotline. And and so we talk to them about the fact that that they need to see these as people who have backstories who who have uh, maybe this was maybe they were trafficked for the first time at 11 or 12, and even if they're 25 now, um, maybe they have been forced on drugs and alcohol. Maybe they lost their entire childhood. Maybe they have nowhere to go. Maybe they have no education now. Maybe you know, and they need help. So, so we educate them as to um, being able to see these people as people, and then reach out to help them. And an, another case like this happened this year in January. A professional driver pulled into a, a business to make a delivery at 3.30 in California. Uh, shortly after that, he got a knock on his cab door, and there was a uh, young woman standing outside his truck. She told him that um, her friend's older boyfriend was trying to force her into prostitution. She had refused the guy, argued with him, so he dumped her in the parking lot and sped off. Uh, she was cold, exhausted. Um, she had no money, no identification. She was carrying everything she owned in her arms and was desperate to get back uh, to her home in another state. So at that point, Arian, who had stickers on his truck, our stickers on his truck, said, I'll find a way to get you home. Um, and he looked at one of those two stickers and uh, called the National Human Trafficking Hotline. They worked with him to get the woman shelter for the night, a prepaid cab ride to get her to that shelter, and then a chaperone train ride back to her home in another state the next day where she was reunited with a family member. He took care of her until she was placed in that cab, and then he even gave her his personal cell phone number in case she needed anything else. That's the kind of thing that happens once they realize that this person may not be out there of their own accord. The majority of them are not. Wow. You know, looking at your website, it looks like there's a whole slew of programs that you guys have, the, the Freedom Drivers Project and the Shipping Partners Program. And what are some of these offshoots, if you will, or components of Truckers Against Trafficking? Sure. The Freedom Drivers Project is really a unique program that we have. It's a, if it's, it's a first-of-its-kind mobile exhibit that travels the country. In fact, we'll be in Washington State later this year. But it's a tool to educate um, people about um, domestic sex trafficking and what the trucking industry is doing to combat it. It's got about five television stands. It's got actual trafficking artifacts from women and children who have been enslaved to traffickers, and we've, we change those out every so often. Um, and it's it's got a big uh, graphic that shows how your life can intersect with um, fighting trafficking. So it's it, and it's in big demand. It's it's in demand by congressional members. It's in demand by 
uh, trucking associations. It's been demand by law enforcement. It's been to the Iowa State Fair this year where over 7,000 people went through it. It travels a lot. And, um, and it's just a, a really, really neat tool. When we're looking for ways to engage, you asked how do you, how do you engage with 7 million people? You're always looking for entry points into the trucking industry because we're a very small staff. We've got six full-time and six part-time people. Um, so there's no way we're going to be able to reach 7 million people. But if we can find all the different entry points, um, for instance, all 50 state trucking associations now partner with us. They are an entry point into trucking industry in their state. Um, law enforcement is a huge uh, entry point for us into the state. So we do lots of law enforcement trainings. We do um, coalition builds, which are half-day trainings um, with law enforcement and trucking. In fact, we did one in, in Seattle in January that was co-hosted by the um, Washington State Attorney General's Office and the Washington State Trucking Association. And in those half-day tr uh, trainings, we bring law enforcement and trucking together in order to, to put them on the same page to think about how to close loopholes to traffickers. Uh, they listen to a survivor speak, and she, she gives specific tips to law enforcement to help them. Um, both spot trafficking that's taking place and trucking taking place that, you know, trafficking taking place that trucking might see. Um, and, and so the coalition builds, um, we're always looking for, we have about five goals for each of those and we're looking for impact, uh, in those. Uh, some of the, we held one, as I said, in Seattle in January and some of the impact that came out of that one has it even included um, some undercover work that was done um, in combination between the Washington State Patrol and um, trucking in the state. Um, uh, shipping partners, people who hire trucking are another entry point into trucking and so we work with shippers through our shipping partners program uh, to get them to uh, require on their um, requests for um, being hired um, that um, you must be TAT trained or else that they would only uh, hire uh, trucking companies where the, where the truckers are, are TAT trained. So um, they're another really good program. Of course, our industry training program is where we're trying to get our materials out into the hands of, of safety um, safety managers and safety directors in trucking companies all around the country. Um, we have what's called the Iowa MVE model, which is a model that was put together by the Motor Vehicle Enforcement Division in Iowa that um, helps states, helps law enforcement maximize um, all of the different ways that they can work with trucking um, in their state. And um, 35 states in the country have adopted it in part. Four states, including Washington, have adopted it in full. And part of adopting it in full is that um, you're requiring um, all people who are going to get a CDL license in your state to have TAT training. Um, and 
Washington State does that through their Department of Licensing and through the coalition build. Uh, they're now excited about uh, extending this over into uh, people who are getting a CDL for bus driving. So through our bottle program. So yeah, lots of great programs that we've been able to put together in order to um, efficiently, um, you know, mobilize the entire trucking industry. I want to ask you a little bit more about the law enforcement. You you mentioned the law enforcement training, um, but uh, uh, what about, I mean, sometimes, you know, let's face it, depending on the locality, law enforcement can be very busy. They can be, you know, whatever. They can be everything every all human beings can be. Um, so how readily does law enforcement respond? How involved are they? in truckers against trafficking? Do they see them as an asset? Does it depend on the community? What, how does it work with law enforcement? Um, in every state, it's a little bit different. The states, excuse me, where we have gone and provided law enforcement training um, to help them gain a more victim-centered approach in the first place, where they're not scaring victims um, so that they don't speak up. Uh, and become survivors, um, that's a really important aspect of the law enforcement training we do. Um, but being able to train them, a lot of law enforcement departments don't have the money to get human trafficking training. Um, so if we're able to go into a state and train their law enforcement, we, we finished with California or the majority of California this year, um, and and get them to see trucking as an asset uh, that they can use because let's face it, at any given time there are more trucks on the road than there are law enforcement officers. So that if they can begin to see trucking as an asset to help them fight trafficking, and then um, they are given some um, case studies of how to um, interdict or or find trafficking when they maybe are stopping somebody for a traffic violation, but they know the things to look for, um, they begin to see trafficking as a more important um, agenda item, and they begin to feel more competent about being able to fight it. My eldest daughter is the assistant attorney general here in Texas in charge of human trafficking and transnational organized crime. And you would be amazed at how many district attorneys are not, have never had the training uh, to bring a human trafficking case to court. And that's similar with law enforcement. So the more that we can work with law enforcement to, to provide training for them and then um, link them with trucking so that the two of them can work together, the, the greater the impact is going to be on um, trafficking cases and finding perpetrators and recovering victims. Wow. It is astounding to me how in, what, 10 years, you could start yeah. with an idea and come up with something so comprehensive, it must really have filled a need. Plus, I have a funny feeling that your PR background didn't hurt. <laughs> it, it helped. It definitely helped. But I, I will tell you, um, my daughter, the third daughter, um, both of my, my second and my third daughter, Kendis Ferris and Kyla, Lanier are the executive director and deputy director. They have done an exceptional job, and um, and 
and they're the ones that have really uh, begun to expand a lot of these programs. In fact, we started a man-to-man campaign last year to um, focus on demand. And um, we're using a lot of America's road team captains um, as um, people that go out and actually talk to other truckers about reducing demand and why it's important not to ever buy commercial sex. <coughs> but some of them have even done TED Talks. But um, they came and asked, would you provide us with more resources so that we have more things to use when we go out and talk? So this um, in this month, in fact, we're going to be filming a docu-training um, film in Seattle <coughs> working with um, the two founders of the Organization for Prostitution Survivors, Peter Qualiatin and Noel Gomez. <coughs> and the docu-training um, film will, will help uh, teach about the realities of commercial sex and um, give advice on how um, to more effectively engage men on this issue. Um, so, it, you know, again, we're trying to expand to help um, the people that we're now working with to have the resources they need to um, to work on all aspects of human trafficking to bring it to an end. Demand is is one of the biggest things because men, um, whether it's prostitution or rape or um, sexual harassment, or it's how men view women, how they view their bodies, how they view uh, their right to um, use women or um, abuse women or whatever. And so um, we're trying to um, look at that aspect and use men to do it because men talking to men are going to be able to um, do a better job than if women talk to men about it. Yeah, that's always an issue, isn't it, with these things. Uh, if we can get the men on board, the, you know, on these issues that affect a lot of men, you know, it, it makes yeah. a huge difference. I wanted to back up. When are you going to be in Seattle? Um, it'll be, um, I think it's next week, September 18th through the 20th, is when that filming is going to take place. Are you going to be there? No, I will not. Um, oh, we okay. work with an organization called I Empathize, um, mm-hmm. and they they work on issues like human trafficking and other areas of exploitation, especially of children, and they do a lot of it through media and the visual arts, and so they've uh, filmed all the different uh, videos that that we have uh, and use as training videos, and so they're going to be doing the filming up there. So there really won't be a an actual staff member that's there. They're going to be able to to um, do it themselves because we've already worked out the whole script and um, or the agenda or how the film will, you know, what's going to be in the film. Okay. Because um, one of the things that, that that intrigues me as you're talking is that this isn't an individual organization that's just sitting back there doing all this stuff. You are cooperating and networking and getting all sorts of organizations on board. And yeah, absolutely. again, you know, how many organizations do you think you partner with in, in accomplishing this? 
I have no idea, really. You could go to our website, and if you just look at our sponsor list at the bottom of every page, it's just extraordinary how many different organizations that we work with. And, um, and then we've worked very closely with Polaris Project, which is the, they're the people that run the National Human Trafficking Hotline. We work with all of the major uh, trucking organizations um, in order to, um, you know, mobilize trucking and, and to listen to their concerns. We've listened to their concerns over the years as well as worked with them in order to be effective. Our board members are uh, composed of, of people from very powerful organizations, including UPS and um, yeah, it's just a huge, huge number of organizations that we work with, and we're often asked to speak at um, both international and, and uh, national conferences, whether it's United Way or Google or um, I don't know, just a huge number. So, um, mm -hmm. yes, there's no way you can do this by yourself. What? How much money do you guys get? I mean, where do you, are you, uh, you know, uh, we're all, are you independent or do you? Yeah, I mean, we're always looking, always looking for money. We're, we're, <laughs> we're working on getting grants. Um, as you, as you add programs and your budget goes up, you're constantly looking for money. So, um, so we, do, we work on grants. There are organizations that have now begun to sponsor us. Um, whether they have their logos up on the Freedom Drivers Project, we have different levels of of sponsorship. Um, there are individual people that um, send us a donation. You know, I make donations to <laughs> that. There are uh, so we're getting money all that. We don't receive any government money, um, but we we work hard um, to find the resources that we need to in order to. Um, do the programs. Um, there was a foundation just when we just reported about this on our September newsletter. Uh, Greenbaum Foundation uh, made a hundred thousand dollar matching grant to us, and UPS uh, gave us the other hundred thousand dollars, so it matched it. So, um, you know, it's just it's that kind of thing that we're we're working on all the time and looking for that kind of money all the time. Yeah. Unfortunately, that seems to be the way it is for all nonprofits, but, you know, some more successfully than others. How big is your paid staff? Uh, yeah, we have six. We have six paid. We have six full-time staff and six part-time staff. So we're really small. We don't even have a central office. Most of us work out of our homes. Sure. In fact, it's, all it's of us work out of our homes. Yeah, it's just astounding to me that, you know, a, a couple of ladies in their kitchens can come up with an idea that is so necessary and so needed and so worthy and in such a short time has garnered such support. I mean, that is it's astounding to me. Kudos to all of you. Um, and it sounds like to mostly you and your daughters. Um, when you're dealing with police, do you ever have situations where the police, you know, perhaps either don't have time to follow up or they see it as an intrusion or anything like that. As, in other words, I, I, you know, I don't mean to be focusing on anything negative, but I think it's important to know sometimes if there isn't a good police response. And if so, then what happens? Well, I think in the beginning, when we first started TAT, we were finding much more of that where truckers would make a call 
and there would be little or no police response. Maybe they've got um, 15 calls and uh, and the police weren't trained and weren't thinking trafficking. They're just thinking, oh, it's a prostitution call. So um, they wouldn't go out. Um, so we, one of the things we did was change our wallet card so that um, truckers would be able to give specific information to police that would raise the priority level. Then we started working on um, police trainings so that they would begin to understand um, the reality of human trafficking in their area uh, and that it's taking place in all 50 states. And, and so um, I, I think we're getting a lot better police response now than, than used to be. And every time we do these trainings, um, we get a tremendous response from from the police, and they're out there um, working hard. Once, once, for instance, the co like even with the coalition build, not even speaking about the actual law enforcement training that we provide, but even with the uh, coalition build, uh, there was one Washington State Patrol officer who visited truck stops with TAT materials, stocked way stations and ports of entry, as well as trained 50 officers with our law enforcement training video. And then the Washington Association of Sheriffs and Chiefs of Police shared our law enforcement training video and subsequent training materials to all of their members. Uh, and they're considering having us come back to do further in-person training. So I think, you know, a, a lot of what happens depends on training and actual real awareness, a real understanding of what you're seeing. Um, and again, changing people's attitudes about women, uh, changing, you know, how they see women and and what they what their attitudes are about it. And I and I and I think the victim-centered approach that. Uh, training that that we provide law enforcement when they listen to an actual survivor of what they've gone through um, and and why they I mean the, one of the survivors that works with us Beth Beth Jacobs her trafficker was hiding in the closet closet in this room when police came to the door and Beth would not she was so much more afraid of the police she would not give up the pimp she would not tell him that he was in the door and she had endured countless beatings unbelievable beatings from this guy as well as being sold over and over and over and over and over but she had also been betrayed off often several times by the cops themselves so she was she was not going to give them up so when we talk, when when a field trainer or a survivor goes out with us and talks to the cops, they tell the truth. They talk about how cops have exploited them as well as uh, other people, and they talk about why they're so afraid. And so I think with the victim-centered approach that we're taking, you know, and everything takes time. It just nothing happens overnight when you're dealing with millions of people, and we are twelve people, but. But you take it a bite at a time, a, a step at a time, and and I, I do believe God has given us great favor uh, with law enforcement, with trucking, with busing, and uh, people are listening. And and so I think um, as they receive training, as their attitudes change and their perceptions of things change, um, they're they're making really good calls. They're they're finding victims uh, when they're making traffic stops or when they're 
um, doing other kind of stops, and they didn't even think that they were going to find a trafficker, but they but they have, and they found victims. And so um, uh, I, I think their eyes are are much more open now than they were even 10 years ago. And 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 there are other people doing training as well, but but I'm really happy with the training that we provide because we do. We, we, we focus in on a victim-centered approach, and, and we uh, help them to understand um, the, the victim's um, plight. Yeah. It, it, it's astounding to me. And, of course, the whole issue of uh, trafficking has become more in the news in the last few years, so I'm, I'm sure that that's helpful as well. And yep. it seems to me that, you know, are you ever approached by other organizations who want to do something with other groups of people? I mean, I'm thinking traveling salesmen need to get on this on board. With, you know, you know I, I'm telling you, it's I. There was a program in when I lived up in Washington State, and I lived in Puyallup. There was a program that Washington did, uh, and I can't even remember the the name of it, where they were helping electricians and cable guys and um um water guys, all these different service personnel to keep an eye out for elderly people in their homes who may need help. And so when I've, whenever I go and speak to people about what they can do um, and, and groups that they can mobilize, um, we talk about all these different groups that can, can be um, mobilized. It's just really hard to get people to do it because they think it's going to be an overwhelming task. We started with no money, no money. Our first wallet card was hideous and I'm in PR, but I didn't have the money to hire a graphic designer. <laughs> so we just put together our first wallet card, you know, out of my pocket. We spent our first postage out of my pocket. We just did what we could do. And, um, and the first salary, my mom had passed away and, as part of my inheritance, I gave Candace $10,000 for her first salary. But you start with what you can do and go from there. And it's better than not starting at all. So we asked people for years to take on busing, and they didn't. So now we're taking on busing in addition to trucking. Um, I think people are now working harder on taxis and um, hotels, and I know Delta is working uh, in the airline industry, and um, you know, it just takes time and, and people to catch a vision that, yes, you can, you can actually do this, because we <laughs> we did it with nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned the hotels. We did a show a few months ago about an organization that's working with police. They developed a database so that they solicit tele uh, 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 photographs whenever anybody goes to a hotel. If they photograph their hotel and there's a uh, procedure for how you do it, you get like four different shots or something. I'm not remembering the details at this point. But then that can go into a national database, and they've actually been able to recognize hotel rooms because apparently traffickers will stop at motels and hotels, as you mentioned, and they will take pictures of the victim uh, to post on media, et cetera. And because of this database of hotels, 
um, they have been able to track down and find, locate some victims. So there's some wonderful stuff going on out there. But I think that, you know, the truckers against trafficking, those, those folks are out there. They're on their, they, they have the capability of being on the front lines. And that's what's so uh, exciting about all of this. Plus, you know, the component that we're, you're talking about a little bit is also so significant. How do we change attitudes? I have a friend who uh, did some research and uh, wrote a, a, a paper and did some presentations because she was finding that police officers were treating prostitutes as prostitutes who were willingly out there or who were criminals. When it turns out that a lot of these prostitutes, especially the underage ones, were being trafficked. And so she was responsible for helping to open some eyes about, you know, these, these folks maybe don't need to be treated like criminals. Maybe they need to be treated like victims and given some assistance. Um, you were talking about, you know, attitudes about prostitutes and, and prostitution, attitudes about women, um, and how some of these programs, uh, you know, are addressing a symptom of that, but, uh, uh, you know, an effect of attitudes about women and, and what they are doing. Um, but it, it's really uh, interesting when, when you're talking about truckers against trafficking actually addressing the, the, not just addressing the symptoms of this, but also trying to change some of the thinking about, sure. you know, why women, women are doing what they're doing. So that, that's pretty thrilling. If somebody yeah. wanted to um, know more, if somebody wanted to participate in Truckers Against Trafficking, where could they go? What would you recommend? Um, you know, the, the people that actually participate in Truckers Against Trafficking uh, and bus, bottle, uh, busing on the lookout are people in the trucking and busing industries. If you want to learn more about us, I'd tell you to go to truckersagainsttrafficking.org because there's more about us on our website than you're going to find anywhere. And we have, if you go under the About section, we have tons of news articles that have been written about us. Uh, under the Making the Impact uh, section, you can read about the impact. For instance, we just got... Um, the latest numbers back from the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Now, mind you, these we have no way of collecting data on the number of 911 calls that have resulted in arrest of perpetrator and recover, recovery of victims. But from the National Human Trafficking Database, since we started in 2009, other than two calls they had received to that hotline prior to our starting, truckers have made 2,221 calls um, that have resulted in 606 likely human trafficking cases involving 1,123 trafficking victims, 48.5% of which are minors. That's huge. That's huge. And we now have over 622,000 plus um, drivers who are TAT trained. So, um, you know, uh, you you just take the next step, and um, and I think that uh, if as far as wanting to learn more about us, um, I would want you to learn more about us if you have contacts in law enforcement, or um, you're in law enforcement, or you're uh, you know someone who's in trucking or busing so that you can go out to our website and get materials for them or so you can learn about the law enforcement trainings that we have or if you're uh, connected to the uh, um, attorney general's office in, in a state that you would read about our coalition builds 
and help to get a coalition build started at your state. Or if you uh, have a huge event uh, and you think the Freedom Drivers Project would be a great addition to that event, go out and read about it and what it takes to bring it to, to your event. That's what I would want you to do as far as getting involved with TAT. Or if you want to donate, <laughs> as I say, we are <laughs> continually looking for funds in order to be able to continue to train um, both law enforcement and um, trucking and busing. And we now, um, um, Canada is going to be getting a national hotline up there. And once they're up there, uh, they've, we've, we've already been approached about um, getting TAT up into Canada. We already partner in Mexico um, and have uh, worked with Mexico to get um, a trucking um, kind of a, a, they don't have all the things that we have, but they have a trucking um, arm of what they're doing as far as fighting human trafficking. So, um, uh, and, and other countries as well have uh, reproduced or replicated our model uh, in certain aspects of it. So um, those are the kind of things that I think you would want to go to our website uh, to learn about. Um, and uh, I, I would encourage you to do that. It's really a, a comprehensive website. Yeah, it is, and it's not only not only is it comprehensive; it's easy to 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 see. You know, you get old old folks like me, yeah. <laughs> and I, some of these websites are so busy, and I can't find anything. And but yours is very clear, and uh, the programs are very. You know, uh, it, it's it's. I applaud you for the simplicity and yet complexity of your of your website. Thank you. One of the things that we didn't talk about that I wanted to mention is that you are also working with dealers, truck dealers. Um, yeah. to start a, a dealership program, uh, partner program. So, you know, I mean, I can't, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how many other things are there that you can think of to bring in on this? But I have a funny feeling that you've already given some thought to that and that there probably are. What's in the Oh, there's lot. Um, I don't know what all is really going to happen, but I know the demand thing right now is really big. And we're very excited about getting this, this um, film um, filmed and and out there for training and I uh, when you talk about dealers um, we have a there is a dealer out in Arizona that um, a couple years ago built a truck with uh, all donated parts and then auctioned it off for us and he's in the process of doing that again for this coming year as a fundraiser so um, that's a really big exciting deal yeah, you. I, I'm never sure exactly what this this, this this truck that he built wasn't a, a pickup truck. It was an 18 wheeler. Oh yeah, it was an 18. It was a. It was the whole cab. It was. It was amazing. Yeah, it was amazing. Wow. Wow. How cool is so, that? Yeah. How tall yeah. is that? <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wow. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the idea of, of education is always important, and you're clearly doing a great job on that. Um, if somebody just wants to learn more about trafficking in general, can I mean, uh, it, it would be easy to just do, you know, a Google search, but uh, are, are there uh, national organizations just dealing with trafficking that you would recommend somebody check out first? Yeah, a Polaris Project would be the first uh, one that I would um, look at. Um, because they do run the National Human Trafficking Hotline. 
I think they're really good. Um, Shared Hope is is a good one. Um, trying to didn't think you were going to ask that question, so there I'm <laughs> struggling here I to uh, yeah to come up <laughs> with some other ones. Make sure my guests are on their toes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I, I think in every state, um, most states have a a state based. Uh, task force on human trafficking and that's where I would tell you to get involved first and foremost um, because mm -hmm. they're going to have information about that particular state what's happening in the state stats for the state which Polaris also has they have it all broken down state by state by state as to both labor and um, sex trafficking and and we didn't even talk about labor trafficking I mean a lot of people that work in hotels and motels and restaurants and uh, other places are trafficked in for labor and agriculture and uh, other industries and um, uh, so they have that all broken down state by state so they're really good to go but then your your local task forces are phenomenal uh, for being able to know all of the resources in your state and how to access them and um, and they always have lots of information and and lots of conferences that you can go to uh, where they have really good mm -hmm. speakers. Lynn Lieberg, thank you so much. I've learned a lot. I've really, you know, next time I see a pass a truck on the on the road, I'll give them an extra special little wave just because. Um, you know, they they do a lot. You know, I mean. Yeah, you do, you do that and and look for our sticker. Um, Walmart. Most of their trucks have our sticker down low on their cab. Um, a lot of the trucks have our little sticker up in their uh, vent window decal. Kenworth is the one that um, created that truck for us to, that they auctioned off for us, and they're going to do this other one. And um, so, yeah, make sure you uh, give a special wave. Great. And go to the website, truckersagainsttrafficking.org. And yep. Lynn Lieber, I hope you come back on our show after your, your film is out and when you come up with some more ideas and, and share with us the progress and, and keep us informed about Truckers Against Trafficking. Thank you so much for being on the show, Lee. All right. Thank you so much, Heather. And thank you for listening to Three Women, Three Ways. Join us again next week when we tackle another topic having to do with, well, social justice, I guess. That's a good term, don't you think, Lee? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Join us again next week. Three women, three
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.